Welcome back to Shrinking It Down, Mental Health Made Simple. I'm Gene Baresson. And today I'd like to introduce our uh, co-host, who's with us at Mass General Hospital, Dr. Khadija Watkins, who is Associate Director of the Child and Adolescent Psychiatry Residency Training Program at Mass General Hospital and McLean Hospital. Khadija, welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, uh, as we like to begin, What's it been like for you in the last week or two, now that you're homebound, like we all are? Yeah, I feel pretty lucky. I've been able to work from home. We're, we're healthy and, and safe, and my sister just had my third nephew, so uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, feeling cabin fever like probably everyone else, too, but you know, otherwise, I, I'm trying to be mindful and find the gratitude and where, where, where I can find it. <laughs> Dad, she had her third nephew how long ago? She just had him on Easter. So this is this is my third nephew. So there, there are five of us total. Right. So I have two other nephews. Okay. Her son, your nephew. Her, yes. I got it. And and uh, where did she have the baby? She's in New Jersey and she had him uh, in Lenox Hospital in, in Manhattan. Wow. So it was a quick turnaround, just like you would imagine, trying to keep people... Uh, the time in the hospital limited as limited as possible. So 24 yeah. hours in and out. And that went pretty well. Went smoothly. That's great. She was fortunate. Oh, it's so good to know that given you what we've heard about the hospitals these days and how uh, traumatic they are for many people filled with, you know, uh, COVID-19 patients that um, deliveries can happen in, in a, in a, product, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a, in a safe and productive manner. It, it was it was amazing. I was on the phone with her at eleven. She's like, "Oh, the doctor's walking in. Let me call you right back." And eleven forty-five, we zoomed together. Her, um, her husband and baby in hand. It was like amazing. <laughs> That's great. Well, I've got two daughters who were expecting. Uh, both will deliver at Mass General, and uh, hoping for the best kind of situation, like like you know your sister had. Definitely, definitely. So today, um, you know, given the COVID situation, uh, we want to focus on uh, college students and young adults who have moved home, uh, which many people have experienced, and try to understand what it's like for the students and the young adults, uh, and and what it's like for the whole family situation. Um, so um, now, Khadija, you have. A college freshman, young adult son. Is that right? <laughs> I do. I do. I have two. So I have my, my young adult son and I have an 11 year old um, and he is home. And, and uh, uh, what, what's it like for your uh, college freshman? So let me tell you what it was like for me. I had this fantasy that I was secretly a little bit excited that he'd be home. So we'd all be back together again. And I had this vision, although I know it was a bit uh, fantastical, that we would be having dinner and playing board games and sheltering in place and having a grand old time, like an extended like Christmas vacation. Um, and he was just really, really sad about not being at school. I mean, he's a freshman, so he was enjoying the newness of his freedom and enjoying meeting new people from different places and just beginning to kind of navigate being a young adult you know, on his own, um, with me practicing less kind of uh, 
oversight, which was a little bit difficult for me and, and less direction and guidance, just really trying to let him be and feeling comfortable that I gave him the tools that he needs to be safe and, and to be productive. Um, but still as a, as a mom, I kind of hovered a little bit, but it really was really, I think doing a pretty good job backing off and letting him be himself. Um, and then for that to kind of just crash like so quickly, I think just the, the sense of not getting a chance to understand what was going on. You know, he was coming home for spring break and then abruptly, you know, don't come back. So a lot of this just happened so quickly. I think he didn't get a chance to process it much. Um, and again, just really missing his friends. I don't know that he misses the academic piece as much as, as I would like him to, but I think he really misses his friends and those connections he built. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 uh, I've, I've heard that from a, from a number of freshmen, you know, it's, it's the first time really away from home and uh, it's a huge loss. I mean, the independence, the parties, the social gatherings. I mean, right. let's face it, college is more for the non-academic than it is for the academics for, for most students. But um, uh, what, what, do you, what do you think can help? We can talk about seniors too, cause, mm-hmm. but, but what about for freshmen that are just beginning? What do you, what do you think helps? You know, I, I had to be really mindful about putting it, putting myself in his place because, you know, there was so much going on around us with me just in my own job being a healthcare worker and working probably more than I have ever worked, even though I'm home and it's, and initially I thought it would be a little bit easier, but it was really difficult and, you know, so much happening on the news and so many things changing so rapidly, still trying to be mindful that, you know, his experience is much different and Again, he's a freshman in college and he was excited about being uh, away from home and, and, and these new friends that he made. So really just trying to give him space to be sad and to, to kind of grieve this new normal, which is you know, going to be for the entire spring semester, which I think initially he thought he would go back in a couple of weeks. Um, but just giving him a chance to catch up with what he was feeling and, and what the new reality was going to be. Um, and not try and try not to be too judgmental or critical about, you know, there's lots of other things going on, but also trying to be, give him the the space to say, and you can still be sad about not being with your friends and not going to that party that you already paid for, <laughs> <laughs> or the tuition that you already paid for. Uh, oh boy, yes, that's. <laughs> uh, I know, I know, we have to deal with that. But let me ask you, uh, for for others that are out there. How did you encourage him to talk with you about his feelings? Or or was that something that you guys have always done together? I would say I'm pretty lucky that we, we've always been pretty close. Um, so I, I, I think for him, he's not uh, too expressive in terms of more emotionally. So I usually try to acknowledge what I think he might be feeling. Like, you know, just plain and simple, it sucks. Like, this really sucks. Like, I, I hate that you had to come home. Although, again, I was secretly a little bit excited that he was to have him back home. But, you know, I hate that you had to come home. I hate that that you're missing your friends. I hate that you didn't get a spring break. If you didn't actually get a spring break because everything was going on. So he came home for spring break. Um, you know, and it, and it, and it sucks. And, it, and it's not fair. And, and I hate that you're having to have this as your first experience, you know, as a freshman. Um, and so which gives him, I think, for my son, it gives him permission to, to talk about it. So I think you have to just know your kid. But for my son, that gives him a little bit of a, an open door to talk a little bit more about what he's feeling. 
So let me let me let's let me go to something else here besides the talking. I mean, so, now some kids just are not talkers. You're you're fortunate that you and your son, and you know, congratulations to you because you probably started talking with him early on. Um, but you know, a lot of times when uh, when kids come home, whether they're in college or whether they're uh, just coming home, there's a kind of regression back to like when when they when I say regression, I mean it's like we act as if they're high school students. So the parents are setting bedtimes and schedules and, and, and the, the young adults are used to kind of being on their own. What do you, what do you think? Do you think that that regression is common? I've heard it have, I've heard it from a lot of people. Uh, and, and what can parents do about not falling into the old patterns of treating their, their young adult as, as if they were like a ninth or 10th grader? that's tough because I think regression happens on both sides a little bit on their side they fall back into a little bit of their ways but I think we also quickly go back to business as usual which really hasn't been their business as usual for them you know for the time they've been away it really it really is a deliberate effort for me because that's my natural stance to go back into being like mom like let's get up let's have breakfast let's have dinner let, let's be the, the family. And so for me, it has to be a deliberate, active process to say, he, he just two weeks ago, he wasn't here and having dinner with you. <laughs> you know, just two weeks ago, you didn't know what time he came home. So, so, so let's, again, give him a little bit of space to still be himself. Um, but some of it just boils down to, to kind of house rules and how do you live with someone else? So, you know, for me, I just gave him a couple of weeks just to get over, not get over, but to kind of, to kind of, grapple with this is his new norm um and for me it was really like so now do I treat him like a special guest still because that's how I usually treat him when he comes home or do I treat him like you know he's back as a member of this house and put him back on you know garbage duty and walking the dog duty or do I let him be his special guest and do what he wants so that's where I kind of I kind of struggle um because I don't want to I don't want to create more tension than needs to be in the house either because it's already going to be stressful because we're not used to living together, you know, for the past, I guess it's been six months or so. Yeah, it really does. It really does stink for uh, the, the young adults uh, because uh, as we said, they were autonomous. They were doing their own stuff. They were probably leaving their clothes all over their, <laughs> their rooms, you know, and, 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 and not picking things up and, you know, like, old crusts of pizza that have been lying around for like a week or two. Uh, certainly that's not going to happen in other homes. And, and, and there, and it raises the whole issue that I've heard from a lot of my friends, kids and patients, you know, how do you, how do you set up chores? How do you, who vacuums, who takes out the garbage, who, you know, uh, uh, dusts and wipes things off. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of an, it's a new normal, but it's also a novel, just like this is a novel virus. It's a novel situation. I mean, it's not as though they could just go out, take a ride in the car and go someplace and party with their friends. I mean, everybody's kind of stuck. Right. And then there are other kids. So, so can I let him be the special guest indefinitely while the other, the other son does his chores, like we do Saturday chores and walking dogs and you know, cleaning the bathroom. Do I let him still be the special guest while the, while the 11-year-old's like, well, well, so we're not doing chores now? <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's that balance too that we have to think about. But I think it just comes down to knowing your kid and 
communicating and 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 not maybe making it such a directive, but maybe more of a process of now that you're back, like how do you want to be incorporated back into the house before you left? You used to do this. Now, you know, how do you want to participate as a member of the household? I have no idea. I, I'm making it up as I go. <laughs> oh, but we're, we're all improvising. But actually, that's I think I think that's a really important observation, and that is is that we're all in this together, and um and engaging your 11 year old and the 18 year old and you know, uh, there are plenty of families that have more than two um, and having everybody kind of decide together, how are we going to take this situation on? How are we going to deal with, you know, the mundane chores, but also our own feelings and anxieties? You know, uh, it, it's, it's something that we don't typically do. Right, right. Um, and, and, and being, and, you know, which is, I'm a psychiatrist, but it's not natural for me to be so vulnerable with, with my kids about my emotions, but it, it sucks for me too. Like I miss my friends too. I miss, I miss going into work. I actually miss doing some of the things that felt a little mundane. I really now appreciate them. Um, I'm, I'm missing that I might not be going anywhere for the summer. Like I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about these things too. And, and they're, they're heavy on, on, you know, on my heart and my head too. And um, just being able to kind of validate their, their struggle and, and share a little bit about that, that we are all in this together and, and we might see it differently and we might feel it differently, but we're all, we're all struggling in different ways with, with this, this new normal. And, 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 and you, uh, you've shared, you've shared your own struggles and your own losses with your kids. H- have you done that? I, so I, mean, I, I have, I've, I've, sh- I've shared like, you know, I'm, I do miss my friends. Like I zoom with my friends and realize how much I actually missed being around them and, and seeing their faces. Um, I, I, I did, sh- I did share that. I, sh- I shared that I missed these things just, just to, just to normalize it a little bit yeah. um, and not make them feel so, so lonely, I guess in their loneliness, maybe, I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but he, but my son in particular, he felt really, he felt really lonely. Um, yeah. um, and so which I which I imagine is hard to feel, which is even harder to feel lonely in around other people. But he felt really lonely. He was in his room a lot um, the first couple of days, and you know, talking to his friends a lot o- over the the various platforms and video games. Um, and it was just really abrupt. I think that's the other part that really just really shook a lot of these kids. It was just so abrupt um, yeah. for them. So there's also so so besides the uh, the issue of grief and loss, there's also the question that I think we all have about the uncertainty of the future. I mean, what is this going to mean for, uh, for graduation? What is this going to mean for summer jobs? What is this going to mean for internships? What is this going to mean for, you know, um, for the economy, for, for, you know, for, uh, uh, and, and, and how long is this going to go on? I don't think we've ever faced a national situation like this has been so incredibly uncertain. So I wonder what tips we can give parents, caregivers, and and the young people themselves about how to how to deal with uncertainty, how to deal with just not knowing what about the future. What, what do you think? <laughs> that's a tough question. That that's a tough question because there there is so much from the kids who are. 
are, like you said, in college and, and what their future holds to the kids who are, are about to enter college and who've gotten these acceptances and, oh my goodness, like, am I even going to be able to start in the fall? Like, what did, what did I do all of this for? Like, just this, this angst about not knowing what's going to come. Um, and then even like you said, a lot of these kids have planned on working for the summer. Um, some of these kids, you know, when they, when they kind of, again, had to abruptly go home, maybe didn't even have space in their home for them. So there's just so much uncertainty and, and things that, that I think if they had a little bit of time, they, they would have maybe done things differently or taken a different road, but there's, there's just so much there. I think that, that it's hard to even say, how do you, you approach it? I, I, I would just say communication is the, the, the key, you know, just being able to talk about things openly and, and validate their experience and their concerns. And that, that is all of us. Like, I think just reiterating, like we're yeah. all uncertain and no one knows and not to pretend that we have the answers. So one thing that I might suggest, and let me see what you think about this is that, um, even though we've never experienced this kind of uh, national, global uh, uh, level of uncertainty, we've all had times in our lives that we've had to make shifts and changes that were unexpected. Um, and perhaps it's a good time to tell stories, our own narratives about what's happened in our lives or our parents' lives or our grandparents' lives uh, in which they've had to face challenges that they never, ever expected. Um, whether, like my mom, who passed away last year, lived through the Great Depression, uh, she couldn't go to college. She had to go to work. Um, you know, who would have who thought that that would have happened? Um, so um, I'm sure that you, as well as I, have stories of changes in our lives where we've had to make huge shifts that we never expected. Uh, maybe, maybe and, and we came out okay. Um. <laughs> I, I think we're pretty okay. I think we're pretty okay. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I think those are, I think those, that's a great idea, definitely. And I, and I think kids would, kids and young adults would appreciate hearing our experiences. And, and again, us being vulnerable, I, I think we, we just need to be careful um, to not diminish their experience by hmm. sh like sharing another kind of experience where someone came and, and rose to the occasion. Um, j just again, I think it just really goes back to just giving them room to, to, to grieve that they may not have the typical graduation ceremony or they may not have that, I don't know, do they have prom in college? I'm not sure. But those, those big events that they were looking forward to. And yes, people are, you know, there's a lot of sadness in the world. And we had to like, do a complete pivot and and regroup quickly and this is the best that we can, we're all doing the best that we can do right now um and it just it's not it's not ideal um so so i i would definitely think sharing some of our experiences and how we overcame you know certain losses and hardships and still came out okay i think would be really helpful um but again just be mindful to not go down the road of so like pull yourself up and shake it off. It's going to be okay. Um, in yeah. terms of just like, you know, diminishing, like yeah, dimin diminishing their experience or, or being invalidating in any way. Which that, I think it's, it's hard because there's so much going on. People are, 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 you know, in the hospital, they're, they're 
they're not they're not making it out. People are losing jobs and not able to take care of their families. So there are major things going on. And these kids are still really down about what they're not able to experience. I, I think you're, you know, you're so right. I mean, and, and we have to be careful uh, not to, to keep the focus off of ourselves and keep the focus on them. Uh, you know, uh, young adults uh, like your son are listening to the, watching the news or getting information or, you know, uh, experiencing things uh, and they have their own reactions to them. So I think what I'm hearing you saying is um, help them talk about what their worries, fears, concerns, prospects are, and 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 uh, and then help help address where they're coming from. Right. I mean, a part that that's and part of it is also, I think, some of it is just by where they are developmentally. They they do see themselves kind of more independently as not part of the bigger picture, and so I think to some extent also helping them to see, because I think where the we initially started talking about how younger adults aren't affected and, you know, they felt that that was kind of sort of to some extent like a pass to be active and, and not socially distant, but really drawing them back into to seeing that they are part of a larger, larger community. So while you may not be, you know, by far and large as a group, really negatively impacted, you you could carry the, the virus and you can spread it to people who are more vulnerable. So I think definitely seeing them as individuals and their experience from their, their vantage point, but also trying to help them see that they're part of, like there's, there's a reason why we're doing this. And this is because we're all part of the bigger picture and, and we, and we we're all making sacrifices um, and it sucks. And, and, it, and it's what we have to do to get through, you know, to get over to over the hump. Yeah, and, and I guess another point is that um, they may have worries about um, older relatives, grandparents, aunts, uncles, uh, you know, folks who may not be um, as low risk as they may see themselves. Um, so mm-hmm. while they need to take responsibility for maybe being an asymptomatic, potentially asymptomatic carrier, um, I wonder how much they worry. Well, I don't just wonder about that. I, I know from some of the students that I know and take care of, they worry a lot about their parents and grandparents. Um, and those worries are uh, real because they're, they're seeing uh, and hearing about, uh, you know, uh, tragic deaths in the news every day. I, I don't know how we reassure them about that. I mean, that's, that's, pretty, that's a pretty awesome, awesome situation. But still, I guess what you're saying is, um, help them express their their concerns, um, and also like you you alluded to something else that that I think is really important, and that is empowering them to be able to do something. I mean, so that they don't feel. I mean, not just not spread the virus, but <laughs> what, no, what, we don't want them to do that. We don't want them to do that. But some some listen. Some college students stayed out a bit beyond their norms and didn't social distance until the realization came that this is quite serious. But what do you think young adults in that age range can do even remotely to feel that they're making a contribution? I mean, you're a, you're a first responder, you're a healthcare worker, you know, you're a, you're a physician. Um, maybe we ought to be thinking about how we can help empower them to feel like they can make a contribution that's positive. 
That's a good point. And, and you know, to, just to retouch back on something you just said, like, I don't know that we need to reassure them about everything because we don't know. But but I think it's important to, like you said, give them a voice. But there, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't think about what we could do to make them feel more empowered. Um, I'm just thinking from a selfish standpoint, like maybe they could decide to do be Zoom tutors for 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 kids who are doing this remote learning for parents who have not a clue as to what they're doing, me included, um, because I have a full-time job and, you know, monitoring the Zoom account for the 11-year-old to make sure he's actually on it and not doing Fortnite or whatever else he could be doing online. <laughs> um, <laughs> helping him to do the math that I, again, don't know how to do these days. Like they do it completely different. Like I could come up with the right answer, but not the way that, not, not using the process. Um, so I wonder, you know, some things that they could do would be, could be to help some of these younger kids in terms of tutor. Um, I'm just trying to think of things they could do remotely. I don't know that there, I'm sure there are things. Um, well, the, the, you know, a lot of parents that are homeschooling their kids uh, uh, could use a college student like your son <laughs> at home. <laughs> Plenty. But also, I mean, they could be online uh, tutors. I mean, there are plenty of students that I've heard about that are having real difficulties that might might be able to, maybe he could volunteer uh, to do some tutoring online. I mean, uh, right. Yeah. Because I, I imagine they might struggle just like some of the younger kids with the Zoom, although they're a, a quite technically savvy group. The remote learning is a little bit different. Like it takes a, it takes a little bit it takes a different skill set. And, and and also some kids really are motivated by the social aspect of getting up, going to class, engaging with their peers, you know, person in person and, and engaging with their teachers. So they might struggle a bit as well with the remote learning platform. So I think having a tutor or even a mentor of such to help them through this process would, would be a great way to get back if, if, if they could, if they had the bandwidth to do it. Yeah. So I think, I think we can, uh, we can be thinking about this ourselves, but we can also uh, ask some of the listeners to be thinking about what their, uh, you know, young adult uh, kids at home uh, could be doing to help the community, whether it's through, uh, uh, you know, meetings with, with their, well, I know that there are meetings of spiritual groups, they're meeting of Mm -hmm. uh, AA programs, they're meetings of school personnel and students, right. all kinds of things that are going on online um, that uh, that they could participate in uh, besides playing Fortnite or Dungeons and Dragons, which right. uh, or, many of them- Or if they had a particular craft or skill, they could do a class. Like there were all kinds of virtual cooking classes and uh, fitness classes online. Like if they had a particular skill, they could maybe teach an instrument or- just something to, to to have them feel that, that they're being productive and that they're, like you said, giving back. I think that would mean a lot and, and make them feel a little bit more fulfilled during this time where you yeah. kind of feel helpless. Yeah. So um, uh, what other, are there any other problems? I mean, I, I know that, uh, you know, uh, we talked about, you know, trouble getting back into the old ways of, of being the parent and the child. We've talked about, dealing with their sadness and loss with killing with trying to help them feel more empowered. Um, the loneliness, uh, is a big factor. Um, uh, what about, um, other issues, uh, for young adults? You know, for example, one thing that's come up in a number of forums is, um, is the use of substances, uh, that we have to 
watch out for because, you know, let's face it, uh, college students and young adults tend to uh, indulge, shall I say, and uh, with their friends. Um, and sometimes they get into trouble or use substances uh, to quell feelings um, or to, to avoid feelings. Um, what advice can we give parents about talking with their kids about substance use? I mean, it's, 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 all, it's always a hard thing to talk about because they, they are, a lot of them are using when they're away. And, and it, it, part of it is, is what are the house rules, I think, in terms of some of it. Um, that, that, I don't know, what would you tell parents <laughs> around the substance and, and, and per, being permissive around some things and not around other things? It's, it's an interesting topic. Um, uh, I, I think, I think the, the ones that I'm most concerned about are the ones who have, um, uh, uh, that don't just use substances recreationally on occasion, um, even if they do it excessively at a party or something. I'm thinking of the kids at home who you know, um, are vaping tobacco or vaping cannabis or drinking regularly and, um, uh, and, and are struggling with uh, an addiction that may be under the surface. Uh, so they may have a double burden uh, and they may, they may not want to talk about that. Um, but I think that um, parents should be aware. And, you know, sometimes talking to young adults, talking at them, like, oh, you know, if you happen to be vaping tobacco and are going through a withdrawal, or if you happen to be, you know, using stuff regularly and you're not, um, it might be a good thing to talk about. And if you don't want to talk about it with me, there are resources online that parents could suggest or that we could suggest to young people, young adults, to go to kind of get private counseling uh, and, and to talk with somebody besides a parent about sensitive issues like this. Yeah, yeah that, would, that would be really helpful. To, and and for, for there to be some guidelines for them to recognize the signs that this is problematic, I guess in a similar way to recognize the signs where your kid is no longer kind of just what is acceptable grief and mourning of, of the period, but they've kind of gone into more of a depression or they, they're having anxiety that's really kind of getting in their way um, of functioning and, and, or maybe there's a lot of suffering. So I think it would be helpful, I think, for parents to be able to, to recognize when we moved out of the realm of what is acceptable in terms of grief and loss and sadness or or even if the 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 substance use has gone into a realm where it's 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 problematic and they need to be able to recognize those signs so that they can have a conversation with their kids and not at their kids about getting uh the appropriate help and support yeah and that's, a, that's something that we've we've written a, a fair amount about on the clay center is how how uh, parents can know kind of what's in the range of normal normal grief, normal anxiety, and when it gets to the point of being um, uh, a clinical problem. Uh, and of course, you know, I'd recommend that if anybody has questions about that, to contact your primary care uh, provider um, or, um, or, or a mental health counselor, if there happens to be one that you, that you know, to kind of get online consultations. There's a lot of that stuff available, but, but yeah. you raise a good point, you know, when is 
the grief that many of these kids are struggling with? When does it become a clinical depression? And we don't have to worry alone and figure it out like in isolation. There, there are people that can help us sort out whether we should be seeking more support and help or, or should our kids be seeking more support and help. So that, that whole notion of having to sit and wonder and worry alone, we, we really have to think about we're all in this together. Like I keep saying it, we're all in this together. It's a one big community. <laughs> we, we have to, we have to pull on our resources and, 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 and think about it that way. Cause otherwise it feels really lonely and you, you feel really, you know, if you think about it by yourself, like you could feel really like incompetent, like, why can't I get my son on the zoom? Why can't I, why can't I do this math? But we're all struggling and, and, it, and it's hard for all of us. Yeah. So anyway, uh, before we wrap up, um, uh, I just wanted to um, uh, close by asking you, and you can ask me if you like, what, <laughs> given that we're all struggling in one way or another, um, what, what's, what's, what's uplifted your spirits during this time? You know, what, 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 what makes, what, what's made you happy or take your mind off of, of this incredibly horrifying situation? I think the, the things, thinking about things from a gratitude standpoint, so just that we're healthy and, and my family's safe, you know, that my sister had a healthy baby. Um, and, and just trying to figure out how we use this time where we are kind of a captive audience of one another. Like how can we use this time to build relationships and, and build connections? So I'm a really big on relationships. So thinking about things that we could do together, um, not to overwhelm or overbear, but you know, some things the kids just shot down quickly, some things they, they indulged me. So we played board games and just being able to spend the quality time that we wouldn't ordinarily have. Um, that, that, that brings me joy. Um, so family and relationships brings me joy and that, that we can still have those connections and stay connected. Yeah. How about you? Well, I, it's just me and my wife. <laughs> I, 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 except, except I see my, I see my kids and grandchildren on, on, uh, uh, on FaceTime. Uh, and we kind of try to play with each other online, but that's not quite the same thing. Um, uh, I guess for me, it, you know, I guess music has been my major pastime, my major kind of passion. So I, I've been trying to play as much as I can, or listen to music, um, and, and send and send musical um, videos and musical clips to friends to share stuff that I really love with them. Um, and I think that's been uh, that's been really the most helpful thing for me. <laughs> and as far as YouTube clips go. Um, oh, there's so, well, there's one that I've, I, one of my favorites is, um, there's this group, I think it's from the, I think this group is from the UK actually. Um, but they do this, this version of uh, the Beatles. I want to hold your hand. Oh. I, I want to wash my hands <laughs> 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 or I got to wash my hands. Humor is, is awesome. Uh, so there are some really cool video clips that are out there and um maybe we should maybe we should maybe we should kind of post them on the clay center site maybe we should have people send in their favorite you know we do have a page uh, a coronavirus uh page that's dedicated to sharing stories 
and maybe if people want to post their favorite clips, uh, we could we could suggest that. We'll talk with the Clay team about that and see if that would be a <laughs> possibility. Because you need you need sometimes to just kick back and 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 laugh. We have we have to laugh. Like humor is so important. I would a hundred percent agree. Yeah. So anyway, uh, thanks to everybody for listening. And um, uh, if you have any other thoughts about uh, what to do with the situation, you know, I just heard, for example, today that that Boston University was considering closing until next January. Oh wow! And and uh, it's it's not a definite, I don't think, but uh, it was in the news today. But you know, this could go on for a really long time. So let's um, find a way to laugh a lot over the next number of months. Um, so do write, do send us some ideas or thoughts, um, suggestions that you have, and um, uh, we'll see you next time. I'm Gene Baresson. And I'm Khadija Booth Watkins. I, I wonder. I wonder if people will send us clips. <laughs> There's some really funny clips out there. <laughs> oh. Some of the dog ones are. Oh God. <laughs> some of them you can't post, but right. but, 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 but 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 some of the ones are so great. Um, There's one that I look at every day. It 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 has me. Every time I look at it, I laugh like this. The first time I've seen it, and it's a little dog talking about how. He can't wait for his owners to go back to work so he can have his face in the bed and, you know, spread out the way he's used to. But he's using not so nice language, but it's hilarious.